Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Robert P. I'm a compulsive overeater, food addict. And um, thank you so much for everyone who's doing service at this meeting tonight. And I'm grateful to be asked to speak tonight. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater, food addict, among other things. And I uh, do qualify as a 100-pounder. I have released over 375 pounds with um, OA and treatment and um, my higher power, most of all. Um, And yeah, when I came into this program, I've been abstinent from sugar flour and other trigger foods that I've identified throughout the years for um, over three and a half years now. Not perfect, many slips. Um, many times I question, should I restart my abstinence over? And sometimes I I have started recounting the days, but I, it has been over three and a half years with no flour, sugar, and my trigger foods, which is a miracle, which is a miracle. I really thought coming in, it wouldn't work for me. I thought I was that one exception, like they say in the big book, you know, there, there are those of us that, you know, the... I can't even think of the exact wording of it right now, but I was like, oh, there, that's me. I'm not going to be able to be completely honest. I'm, I mean, that's, I'm going to be the one exception that doesn't work, but uh, it, it worked for me. It didn't work right away. Um, food is my core addiction. Like I said, I am addiction addicted to basically anything that makes me not feel or escape. And, um, but it was my earliest addiction. I can remember that around five years old. And I remember, you know, I've heard different people say, like, to make them feel better or whatever. It was, for me, it was disassociation. It was to numb out, to not feel. Very um, chaotic childhood. Um, yeah, I'll say it, violent, you know, like very, a lot of trauma growing up. And that was the one constant thing and the one safety. I guess it was just, it was safe, it was comfort, and then it just evolved to more and more dependence on it. And um, when I graduated high school, I was over 300 pounds. So I grew up, you know, very heavy kid. Probably around third grade was when I really look back now, the pictures. Um, I had some loss there. My grandmother passed away. I was very close to her. And she was kind of a protector. And, um, yeah, it, so, you know, isolation growing up, kind of being alone or not really been able to fit in or anything like that. Trying so hard to. And um, I tried everything I could that I knew how <laughs> to lose weight. But... You know, looking back, I, I I don't know how much of myself I gave to because I always had this in the back of my head, like it's not gonna work. Like you know what I mean? Like it's not gonna work. It'll it can work for a while. But I you know, I hear people say, Well, yeah, I was able to have willpower and I lost some weight. I I don't know. I don't know if I ever did. When I had bariatric surgery years later, uh, in my early thirties 
I did lose weight because I had to lose weight in order to have the surgery. So he was like, I need to see that you can lose weight. And I really was surprised that I did because I thought I wouldn't. It wasn't as much as he wanted me to lose, but he did the surgery anyway, which lots with did not work for me. <laughs> it didn't work for me. I was cheating from day one. Um, should not have passed the psych of L looking back, but, um, yeah, so everything, you know, I did a lot of every different diet. It was usually a high volume diet. Nothing worked, nothing worked what I was doing. And it's so much, that really plays into so much defeat, right? It's so much like failure, especially when everyone around you is like, well, just just eat, like, just eat less and exercise more. Great damn advice. Great advice. I think if I could, I would. But when I um, was older, um, so this was like 2016, everything kind of caught up to me. I was in the 500s. That's how much I was weighing, 500 and some pounds. And I was going to lose my leg. So I'm in my early 30s. I was going to lose my leg. That, you know, it scared me, but I was like, okay, it's going to happen because I can't not, you know, I can't not, I can't stop. And people would be like, well, you're going to die. I was like, okay, I I mean, I know that. Like, I was at, like, that is sad to say, but I was at peace with dying. I know I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it till 36. I know that. That was, I, you know, my existence was going to work and then coming home and eating and isolating and binging. And that was my existence. And um, I was like, okay, okay, so I'll die. You know, and um, because I just felt I was so hopeless, like there there was no alternative for me. There there was no no hope, no hope for me. I thought in those days, and um, so I was gonna lose my leg, and then I had perforation of the bowel, and um, that was all consequences of my eating, and they were really I can remember this. They were really concerned. <laughs> when I was admitted to the hospital because it was a long admission and, and multiple admissions over a year. I had multiple surgeries. They were really concerned that I was going to lose a lot of weight and be unhealthy. And I I did not lose any weight. I gained weight. And um, that was scary. You know, that was a scary time around that time. I had a lot of complications because of the weight, right? Like I had infection, I had poor healing and all that kind of stuff. And um, I did get addicted to pain medicine and that, I was introduced to that because of the surgery. And um, it was one in particular and it got me into treatment for that. That kind of took me down quicker, the food. The food, we were getting to the point where it was going to kill me, but all these years, since five years old, it was just slowly, slowly, slowly. And then uh, looking back, my higher power was like, I need to get his attention. And um, he did because he it knocked me flat on my back and I only had a choice to look up. And I say a choice to look up because my first thought was, was, suicide and I was suicidal because um, I work in healthcare and it was a big part of my identity and I felt a lot of shame around it 
and I just knew nobody could find out and everybody was finding out. But, you know, somebody said something when I got into treatment. And it's what, I thought of this the other day. It's one of my favorite things because I, I could have chose suicide and a voice said, no, don't, don't do it. That was my higher power. The first time I really heard my higher power, just don't do it. And then I got into treatment where I learned about OA. And um, it was, and what I heard in treatment was, because I went in there to get my job back. I was still eating. Like I was putting on, I mean, I was eating even more, right? Because the one addiction was down. So I was eating even more and gaining more and more weight to the point where I was so short of breath, I couldn't walk into the hospital. And um, somebody looked at me, one of the counselors, and said, you know, you can't save your face and your ass at the same time. And I was like, huh. right. So that that is a piece of advice I, I that got me through that because it was like I need to focus on – because I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed. And I was like, how am I going to go back to this hospital? And she said, well, what are they going to say? You know, are they going to say – you know, you were so involved in addiction, you know, and then with the weight, you know, you gained all that, that you got help, you got treatment, you got your life together, and now you're back. Let them say it. Let them say it. So it was, I had to focus on me. And um, I've been doing a lot of work on emotional sobriety lately. I think that, I, I think that was a turning point for me was emotional sobriety. Um because, you know, the last day that I was in treatment, one of the nurses gave me a brochure for OA, and I was like, you know, how dare you? How dare you think I have an issue with food sitting here at 600-plus pounds, you know? Because I was in so much denial and so much shame about that, more shame about that than the drugs. And the withdrawals, I will tell you, from the sugar were worse than the withdrawals from the drugs. And um, in a different way, you know, in a different way. But it, it, they were because I was consuming a lot of sugar. And, um, but the emotional sobriety part, so I, I did go to OA. I, I, I could not get abstinent. Um, you know, I went to my first OA meeting. I was like, okay, so what do we eat? She was like, oh, just keep coming back. I'm like, no, I mean, I need to know what we eat and what we need to do so I can pass the test and we'll get the diploma and we can move on. And she's like, no, you just need to come back. I'm like, well, where's the diet part? Like, where's the diet? And, um, but it just didn't, I don't know, it didn't click for me. I was in therapy and I was clean and sober from drugs and alcohol for six months. And my therapist looked at me and she said, you do know you're not in recovery, right? I was like, bullshit. Like, uh, of course I'm in recovery. You know, you want to hear my list? I have a sponsor. I am a sponsor. I go to meetings. I do all this stuff. But she was right because the food, I was, I mean, I was dying. She said, you're dying in front of my eyes. You need to want to live more than I want you to live. And for the first time, I was like, okay, I, I think I might want to live. So we found a treatment. Her requirements were it has to be 12-step based. And identify food as an addiction, you know, not just the compulsive overeating part, but that there is a component of addiction. And um, we found one. It wasn't easy. 
I think it's it's a little easier now. There's more available to look at, um, more available options, and it's more accessible, like on the internet. But then it was hard, and maybe maybe it's only more accessible now because I'm in recovery. You know what I mean? Like maybe it was just because I wasn't as open to the idea. So I don't know. But it was hard for me to find a place, and she helped me. My therapist really helped me find a place, and I got abstinent. I had the first taste of abstinence when I was down there from sugar and flour. Like I said, the withdrawals were really horrible, but that was my first kind of exposure to emotional therapy, emotional um, sobriety, that this isn't just about the food. Yes, we have to put the food down, but it's a spiritual, emotional change. Like, that's our problem. Food's not the problem. Food was my solution. Food is not the problem. Diet, weight loss stuff, the weight loss industry treats food as the problem. And I guess if you're not a food addict, great. Food's the problem, you know, but food is not, food is my solution. My problem was a spiritual malady and, um, and an emotional one. And, you know, they say we kind of, I've heard it said, I don't know who they are, but I've heard it said that, you know, when we pick up, we kind of, um, stop growing emotionally. And so for me, I'm around five years old. Can you imagine like around five years old? So when everybody was talking about emotions, when I was first down there in treatment, I was like, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know what an emotion, I mean, my first instinct was if I feel anything uncomfortable was to eat and I'm out. So I can't even identify what exactly the feeling even is. Just that the feeling's uncomfortable. Like, let, I couldn't describe the feeling, let alone have a word for it. Like, I didn't have, I mean, that took a time. I mean, that took almost a year to develop, to figure out the words to what I'm feeling. Like, I had to look at a list of emotions. I had to look at a list. Like, oh, and and I can feel one emotion, more than one emotion at a time. I can be angry and sad and happy and grateful and scared all at the same time over different things. And that was just, I, I never understood, realized that. I mean, it was mind blowing, and I I continue to do a lot of work on that. Um, you know, a lot of twelve step work and big book study, but as well as work on my emotional being tied to my emotional my emotions. Just realizing what because I feel when the emotions build up, my disease gets stronger, and and then the food slips start and the food thoughts start and it gets to a point where I think I'm still in denial about how not in touch I am with my feelings. I've had a lot happen this last year, a lot of um, grief and trauma and a lot of fear coming up. Um, I'm grateful for this program I have. I'm grateful for where I am spiritually. Thank you. Thank you. I hear you. And um, I'm I'm really grateful for where I am. Physically, of course, there's all the gratitude. And I'm, I'm getting to where I'm going to have surgery actually next week. And it is the first surgery that I am going to have uh, to repair a huge hernia in my abdomen. And then that is the beginning of then the skin removal surgery. So just identifying what the actual fear was, because I'm like, I'm afraid of the surgery. And my sponsor's like, no, list, like, partic- 
it's specifically, what are you afraid of? And so we kind of touched on the surface and I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm great. Like, I, I know what it is. But oh, those are just old tapes, like of her answers. Like when I was thinking about it last night when I was sharing at a meeting, people were saying, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, you're probably afraid of getting addicted to the drugs again. I'm like, mm, no, not really. I mean, maybe I should be, but. I feel like I have a lot of support around that and I have a plan and I feel like I can, you know, I have, I have a program around that and then, oh, well, I, you know, you're probably just scared about like if something goes wrong or whatever. And I'm like, no, every one of my surgeries, something went wrong and I just trust my higher power will get me through it. What I'm really scared of, I think, is the complete unknown. It's uncharted territory for me. You know, I've carried this extra weight all my life and almost become kind of a, I don't know, an excuse or a security blanket or whatever. So not knowing what that's going to feel like or be like when that skin is removed, and that's not even happening this time, right? But I mean, those emotions are coming up. And um, yeah, I think that is the core, the core fear, like, and you know, and of course, there is the fear of judgment as a core thing of mine. And yeah, there's a lot of wreckage, you know, losing over 375 pounds. There is a lot of sagging skin and stuff that I am scared of other people seeing, I guess, is the, is the core thing. And um um, I'm going to wrap up here. I know we're getting close to time, but I do want to say somebody um, told me not too long ago, we were talking about recovery and everything we're grateful for, for recovery. And he said, you know, I think I'm more grateful for my fall than I am my recovery. And he said, without the fall, I never would have been able to experience the recovery. And I think I started falling the first time I picked up. So it was a long fall. It was an ugly fall, but I learned so much through the fall that's gotten me to this point where I can continue my recovery and without that. So I've really been reflecting on that a lot lately in my meditation. I just got about a minute or so left, I think, and I'm just going to say what I do now is I weigh and measure my food. That is what I've done from day one. It's how I was taught. It works for me. I talk to my sponsor frequently. I text her every day and I che- I text the check-in, kind of how I've been doing emotionally that day, three things I'm grateful for, and then my food for the next day. I pray, meditate, and um, do a couple daily readings every morning before I get out of bed because I don't like to do it. I've gotten better. I do like it now, but it's hard for me to do it. And um, so I do that before I get out of bed. It really gets my day going. And then I do a prayer at night where I write it out to my higher power. I try to do service when I'm asked. If I can, I rarely say no, unless something is just I can't move it. And I try to make outreach. I sponsor. And, um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um Thank you so much again to everyone who's doing service at this meeting. Um, And 
My name is Robert P. My phone number is 229-395-6565, Eastern Standard Time. Prefer text first. Go ahead and somebody from OA. And with that, I'll pass.